0: This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Balata from SingleInTheCity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, six forty, Toronto.
1: Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM six forty Toronto, where we delve into the intricacies of dating, love, and relationships. I'm your host, Laura Balata, founder of SingleInTheCity.ca. Recovering from heartbreak is never easy. What can we do to come to terms and heal from heartbreak? Well, today we have a very special guest joining us to chat about this, Dr. Nancy Lee, and she's been on our show quite a few times. Hello, Dr. Nancy. Miss you. I miss you too, Laura. Hello. Thank you for having me. I love our conversations. I love our conversations too. And Dr. Nancy is a leading practitioner of cognitive behavioral therapy and a renowned clinical psychologist based out of Beverly Hills. She's the author of Don't Sleep With Him Yet, a badass guide to dating and 10 empowering steps. And we'll be diving into the emotional factors behind the breakup, steps to take towards healing, Rebuilding trust and communication after infidelity in relationships, and much more. Uh, once again, thank you so much for uh, joining us, Dr. Nancy. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Laura, as well. Okay, so let's dive in because we have a lot to talk about heartbreak. Ooh, I think we've all been through heartbreak. Um, and some of us may be going through heartbreak right now. What are the psychological and emotional factors that contribute to the intense pain? of heartbreak? Let's start with that.
0: You're absolutely correct, Laura, like who over the age of 12 hasn't experienced heartbreak? So really central to heartbreak at its very core is the experience of loss. And that's so important because loss is at the foundation of sadness, of depression, of mental disorders where we just feel very down and hopeless and depressed. So there's that's a primary factor of heartbreak, the loss that underlies heartbreak. Now, what's really fascinating is that literally cutting edge research, like hot off the press research, shows that losing in love, okay, so a breakup, a rejection, is actually one of the most painful losses that we experience. It's even experienced more strongly than things like envy or anger. Losing in love, I want to repeat this because it's so important, is psychologically one of the most painful losses that human beings experience.
1: I totally agree with you. I really do. And I I experienced <clears throat> a very painful loss before I feel like I got PTSD from it. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was at the time. But maybe I'm just making that up. But it was intense. And uh, I struggled for eight years, Dr. Nancy, I wouldn't let that guy go. Um, But I'm well over it now. Of course, this was years ago. And um, but that's why we're hosting the show today. Hopefully, uh, we can help a lot of people and you don't have to wait eight years to get over somebody. No, absolutely <laughs> but, no, but on the but yeah. but eight years
0: is not uncommon. I mean, I have people come and see me and they tell me they've been struggling decades. So yeah, it's all it's all relative, but we're definitely gonna throw some really interesting psychology out there that will help your
1: listeners um, not take eight years. I love it. I love it. Um, now the thing that comes to mind when experiencing a loss is the change and uncertainty um, that it can bring right into somebody's life. Now the fear of the unknown, you know, will I find happiness again? Will I be able to cope with the changes? I mean, this fear of the unknown can create emotional distress and make it very difficult to move forward. What are some other factors that make it so difficult to recover from loss? Okay. So when we
0: lose, say, a partner, um, say that he, okay, I'm making the guys the culprit, excuse me, men, but say that the guy just like dumps you or breaks up, and this is somebody that you believe you're in love with. Not only are you going to miss the person in the present, but it's also thinking about, my God, I'm losing the future. With this person, if you'd wanted to move forward, it's not only okay. We're losing what we have now, or I'm losing what I have now, but I'm also losing that potential for the future. Okay, Um, other factors. You know, social media can (laughs) social media can be very, very difficult because it's like rubbing salt into the wound. Um, if this is somebody that you see on your social media, it's very it's a very human tendency to want to see who he's with, who he or she is with, what they're doing. Again, rubbing salt into the ro- into the wo- wound um, and also depending on where somebody is developmentally in their life psychologically we all have a tendency to compare ourselves to other people and social media really does a number on this so for example if you know somebody has been dating a couple of years and probably seri- possibly seriously there's a breakup they start looking at people maybe their contemporaries oh my god you know nine of my girlfriends are getting married next year um it it not not mine i'm just saying hypothetically so there's these comparisons that go, that go along with it um and then do you want me to continue i can keep going no, i think i can go. keep going know, we're here me. to help stop. people let's go continue. okay stop me at some point so um yeah also even even neuropsychologically lo- loss emotional loss painful emotions are processed exactly in the same part of our brain as is being burned by a cup of coffee. Okay. Uh, by the way, this research came from a social psychologist by the name of Ethan Cross. Everything I'm talking about, I, I talk about in chapter eight of my book as well. So if people want to go into more detail, I um, mean, I also have references, but what's so mind-boggling really is that when you really think that emotional pain is a thing it's not oh I'm crazy um or what's wrong with me we wouldn't say that if we ha- if we suffered a second degree burn right and we were hurting we weren't we wouldn't say what's wrong with me I'm in pain okay so when you think about the fact that emotional pain is is um, Processed, and by the way, it's that for for any um, neuropsych nerds out there, um, the part of the brain is a somatis somatosensory cortex or the dorsal posterior insula, pain, physical pain, emotional pain, loss, same part of the brain. So yeah, I mean, talk about recovery. It's it's tough.
1: Yeah. And I guess you're somewhat saying that expectations and in societal norms um, around grief and recovery can also add pressure to individuals, making them feel like, hey, you know, you should be over this by now. Right. Making them feel like they should be over it by a certain time. And then this can also lead to feelings of guilt or inadequacy if if they take longer to heal. Thank you, Laura, for mentioning that. Exactly. Like how many
0: times have, look, well-intentioned friends, oh, just get over, it. just get over her. Just get over him. Yeah, Just, just the quote unquote, just move on. Like, um, no, not that easy. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And even sometimes like expectations of one's cultural group, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. You know, all the shoulds that you know society or, or somebody's just you know core family even can you know bring to the table can really be harmful
1: yeah now and i know that heartbreak can have a long uh long term effects on one's mental health and and so let's talk about that. Let's address uh, the potential challenges of that. But hey, we need to take a break. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to get into that. Stay with us. We are discussing heartbreak and how to get over heartbreak right after the break.
0: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640. I'm Laura Bellata, and we're here with Dr. Nancy Lee discussing the psychology of heartbreak. So let's uh, try to pick up where we left off and explore the healing process after heartbreak. Um, Now, heartbreak can have long term effects on one's mental health. Okay. Um, What are the potential challenges of this? I mean, like, you're right, nobody should tell us how long we should grieve for. But I don't know if we should stay um, in this state, like this negative patterns um, for a long, long time. Like, we eventually have to try to climb out of it. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Sorry, Laura. It's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the foremost dangers of staying in that deep, heavy state of heartbreak is sliding into a depression. So it's living in and, and at the core of depression is helplessness and hopelessness. So it's losing a sense of your own agency, feeling helpless. Okay. I can't help it. I keep, I'm stuck. I can't move on. Or taking your experience and extrapolating and feeling helpless about the future. Um, And yes, in the short term, that's very natural with heartbreak recovery, but when it stays, okay. When that stays for eight, okay. I shouldn't say eight years, but even when that state, you stay in that state for several months, there's that possibility of that slippery slope going from grief to depression and they're and they're very different i
1: mm-hmm. mean they're, they overlap
0: but but they are different
1: and so you mentioned something about the past right idolizing the past um because I, I feel like when we do idolize the past it keeps our heartbreak going after a heartbreak we may idolize and romanticize the relationship that we lost. We focus on the positive aspects of that relationship. That's what kept me, right, in that place, ignoring or downplaying its falls and the reasons why the relationship really ended. And this idolization can lead us to believe that we will never find someone or something as special or meaningful again, making it challenging to let go and move on. What are some other ways that our thoughts keep the heartbreak going. And how do we counter these, uh, these thoughts? Okay, so there
0: was a very wise, or there is a very wise psychologist known as the father of positive psychology, Dr. Martin Seligman. And he came up with three P's, the letter P for what keeps heartbreak going. And knowing what these are, we can have tips for working against those okay so the first one that people tend to think that this is all my fault and maybe this applied to you somewhat laura as well in your relationship personalization that's that's the p that's the term it's the breakup is all my fault if i had done a b and c differently things would have turned out differently oh i must have not been good good enough or smart enough or pretty enough or fun enough or funny. And I I mean, women do this number on themselves all the time, but it's P P for personalization. So that way of thinking keeps heartbreak going. The second P, and again, I'm quoting Martin Seligman. This is all in my book as well. The second P is permanence. We feel like we're going to feel like this forever we're going to feel sad, we're going to feel down, we're going to feel defeated, we're going to feel broken up, and it's never going to change. That's permanence, okay? Uh, people have a tendency to do that as well. Third P is something called pervasiveness, and that's letting the pain from the heartbreak, just like the term pervade, you let it pervade all all realms of your life so you get really burned from a breakup and then your work starts suffering and then your friendships you start avoiding your friends which is actually the opposite of what you should be doing you should you you start withdrawing from your life or you know there's sports that you used to play or activities or things that you just withdraw so you let this heartbreak pervade way more areas of your life than just keeping it in your mind at whatever that heartbreak was really about okay so knowledge I I one of my favorite um expressions is knowledge is power if we really understand the psychology behind what we're feeling we can change it Okay, so when you start feeling like this is never going to go away, or um, that that permanence, nobody's ever going to love me, I'm not lovable, um, that that permanent feeling, you have to catch yourself and and say, okay, this is a maladaptive thought. I'm not going to let myself go there. With pervasiveness, we have to learn, like okay, instead of letting our grief, our sadness spill out into all, you know, all realms of our life, we have to really learn to compartmentalize. I mean, I'm looking at this sounds strange. I'm sitting at a desk. I'm looking at, um, you know, one of my drawer, more more than one. If I'm to be honest, is really really messy. If I left that drawer open all day. it would drive me crazy, right? It's a compartment. I'm going to close it. And when I choose to clean up that drawer or to think about that drawer, I'll open it. If it's open all the time, I'm not going to be able to concentrate on my work. I'm going to get keep looking at that messy drawer and it's going to be in my head.
1: Well, I wish I had that because I can leave a messy drawer open and uh, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Sorry, I just put some humor in there. Uh, well, that's uh, why it took you eight years. <laughs> what are some common coping mechanisms that people use, to, um, well, typically use to deal with heartbreak? Okay, so do you are they the generally balance? helpful or harmful in the long run? In your do opinion? you want
0: the harmful ones first? Sure overeating drinking um again with just withdrawing into alcohol
1: Ooh, yeah
0: (laughs) alcohol drugs um yeah smoking
1: people that once quit smoking they go back to smoking right that you
0: know any habit sometimes it's even look i i look i i work with young women sometimes it can even be things as you know uh, dangerous as cutting um just you know going back to bad habits i think yeah the over the overeating the emotional eating is is a pretty universal one that people can relate to um so i you know sleeping all day um yeah there's there's so i think people easily recognize the maladaptive things that people do when they're experiencing heartbreak but there's so many adaptive what I call heartbreak busters that people don't realize and they're at their fingertips.
1: And Dr. Nancy, can heartbreak ever be a good thing? I mean, can it lead to some personal growth or self-discovery? Kind of like the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you makes stronger. Stronger, right.
0: Yeah, learning from life is always positive. Learning from life experience. The more life experience somebody has they really do become if it, I, I, I should preface that saying if they really pick up knowledge, OK, um, both outside and within themselves, they actually can move through their life in a in a, in a in a in a in a stronger way, in a better way. It's not that the heartbreak made them stronger, but it's what they've taken from it to really grow and improve
1: things yeah i like that yeah i mean i'll give
0: you i'll give you a specific example i work with um, a lot of people recovering from narcissistic relationships and i don't use that term lightly i mean like a real clinical like they've been involved with a real clinical narcissist and sometimes there's even sociopathy involved as well and Understanding what narcissism and and like I said often sociopathy is allows the person who got burned to recognize those traits moving forward whether it's in a partner or a coworker or just anybody and know how how to recognize that and how to um, and, and
1: and and how to really approach situations so that's one example. Yeah, and heartbreak can be a good thing sometimes. It can really provide this fresh perspective on life and relationships. Uh, it can uh, lead you to re-evalu- your, reevaluate your priorities, priorities. Uh, make positive lifestyle changes, and and just be more more mindful. Right, and also, and general, also, yeah. really,
0: it can also lead to really appreciating something great the great things in your life when you've experienced when you've been
1: really low and know what that feels like we need to take a quick break stay tuned as we return to discuss how self-compassion and specific practices can aid in the recovery process don't go anywhere
0: Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Vallada from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's news, today's talk, 640 Toronto.
1: It's Sunday night, you're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Vellata. This is AM640 Toronto with Dr. Nancy Lee tonight as we dive into the importance of self-compassion and effective practices for healing after breakup uh, or heartbreak. So did I say after breakup? Yeah, well. After heartbreak. So let's get right back into it. Dr. Nancy, how do you counter the feeling of dread that comes in the morning when you when people experience a profound loss? Because I went through uh, recently,, um, yeah, if you listen to last week's show, and I don't want to talk about it again on air, but I went through our family, experienced a uh, significant loss uh, in the last little while. and waking up in the morning ugh, telling you was tough you wake up and that's the first thing you think about It's the last thing that you think about when you go to bed when you if you can fall asleep but how do we get how do we you Not know to that. that feeling
0: of dread yeah it's and and it's universal that feeling of dread that that morning dread is is so difficult what you want to do and again this is also something i discuss at length in my book give yourself one thing and no matter how small it is to look forward to later in the day okay um it can be okay i'm going to take a walk or like around the block and really focus on nature um when i when i was experiencing some heartbreak recovery for me it was having a latte looking forward to a latte in the afternoon um but it really is important no matter how small the thing is you want to find something that gives you even a modicum just a bit of pleasure even momentarily think about that in the morning and allow yourself to look forward to that it's re- it's 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 really really
1: helpful great tip thank you for that one and would you say like is there an average on how long heartbreak takes to heal It's a great
0: question. So according, it's funny, Laura, that you had mentioned PTSD. You felt like you had PTSD because I look at heartbreak as it's not technically PTSD because it's common, right? PTSD is something that is experienced that's uncommon. But from that research, six months seems to be Again, this is research based about the average time for people to start feeling better. Okay. That doesn't mean that somebody is going to still feel like themselves or great or like they did before the breakup or before the loss or before the incident, but they're going to start feeling more like themselves on
1: average in about six months. Six months. Okay. Eh, It's not bad. Not eight years, but (laughs) it's not. Now, the healing process after heartbreak can, you know, take six months, right? Um, Longer or longer. What are some specific actions you can take to help the healing process along? Okay, let people in connections
0: are so important. And this can be connections with people you're close to, it can be connections with people going through the same thing. But again, um, a finding that a research finding that I found fascinating was that, so say we're talking or venting to our friends, or just, you know, involved in a a deep, a, a good, solid conversation where we we feel better in the moment despite our pain and our heartache, that improved mood will continue for a significant amount of time. So at least for a couple of hours, sometimes even days after we've, you know, when we're no longer engaging directly with our friend. Um, so I think that's really powerful to think about. So if you're feeling really sad, lonely, um, upset, you talk to a close friend, you get into a really good conversation, you feel better for a while. You're that, that improved feeling, that, that elevated mood is going to continue even when you're not talking to your friend for a while. So that's one thing that's really important. Um, something that people don't realize is that. Music um, has the ability to to release endorphins in our brain. And think about like even uh, the ideology of the word endorphin, endogenous. So inside morphine, it soothes our pain. So listening to any type of music that even you want to cry to or that makes you just feel something is going to help heal your brain. Um, which he, which our brains are us, right? So that's that's very important, and that research came um, from a, a neuropsychologist who also happens to be a mu- musician, uh, Dr. Daniel Leviton. He's written extensively about this. So those are two very easy, you know, very very like easy at our fingertips. Coping techniques that a lot of people people overlook. Um, We tend to withdraw sometimes rather than letting people in. Music is all around us, but yet we don't think about utilizing
1: it. I love those tips, and also, if I can add, you know, limit contact with your ex partner.
0: Oh gosh, establish
1: healthy boundaries with them, and then it doesn't have to be forever. But for the time being, just limit your contact with them. delete them off social media, whatever you have to do. But I think it's really important. You need that space so you can gain that clarity and reduce those emotional triggers. Yeah, and then absolutely. Also, yes, and then self-care. Oh my goodness. Uh, for me, swimming, that I just love being in the water. Um, and I, it's, it was all about me at that time. Okay, what can I do for myself is gonna help me. Um, you know, improving my nutrition, exercising regularly whatever that is trying to get enough sleep you know and then also for me it's spending time in nature I can just take a moment to meditate and really just listen to the sounds around me you know going into the woods and listening to the sounds or going by the water Uh, just spending time in nature and trying to relax you know did me a, a world of good so yeah. those are also a couple of, of things that you can take actionable steps.
0: They're fantastic tips. And they're also in my book. Um, I'm a swimmer too, by the way. So that, yeah, I, I absolutely. I can tell by your pipes over there. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you, yeah. And any cardiac exercise. Um, it, so aerobic also releases endorphins. Mm-hmm. So. It really, it moving. It, it, yeah, physiologically, we do feel better in spite of ourselves.
1: Yeah. And also what has helped me too is setting goals. I'm just so much happier when I set goals for myself and they can be related to personal growth, uh, maybe certain hobbies. and uh, building a new business, whatever it is, right? So just set realistic goals for yourself. And, and I think that's going to help. And what do you have to say about practicing forgiveness? Because I think that's a big one, Dr. Nancy. Why is forgiveness so important? When we're forgiving somebody else,
0: we're really releasing ourselves from agony. When, you know, the at the, at the opposite end of forgiz, forgiveness is resentment. And if we're living in anger and resentment, Ultimately, that just goes inward, mm-hmm. right? So when we're forgiving somebody else, and this is a lot easier said than done, by the way. But when we're forgiving somebody else, we're actually releasing ourselves from the, some really pernicious negative emotions. But again, depending on the circumstance and you know what it is, it is you know it's often not forgiveness is does not come easily.
1: Yeah. I know that. <laughs> yeah, that's for okay. Sure. And uh, just before the break, how does heartbreak affect future relationships? Because if you don't heal from heartbreak, hmm, that's not really a great thing moving into new relationships. And but, to, yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. Well, number one, even attracting
0: a new relationship, you're not, none of us are going to be at our best when we're really sad, right? You know, sad and, and, feeling hopeless or helpless, no matter what kind of a front we put on, that comes out. Okay. So there's even, you know, even even a step one, just attracting another relationship, also being open, being optimistic about, you know, meeting somebody else, establishing a connection, you know, heartbreak and staying in heartbreak feels very hopeless. Right. So we're not necessarily going to put ourselves out there. One of the reasons why evolutionary psychologists are always um, just really um, emphasizing optimism is that people who are optimistic tend to get what they want because they keep moving. It's, It's as though the expectation of a
1: positive outcome keeps propelling people forward. Wonderful. We are going to take one last quick break. I love all the information that you are giving us. Stay with us, guys, as we delve into rebuilding trust and communication after infidelity. We'll be right back.
0: listening to the dating and relationship show with laura Velada from single toronto's news today's talk 640 toronto
1: and we are back you're listening to the dating and relationship show on am 640 i'm laura Velada with dr nancy lee discussing rebuilding trust and communication after infidelity so let's uh continue our conversation now okay Mm, infidelity. Ooh, boo. Ooh. Ooh. Big topic. <laughs> we don't like it. Big one. Yeah. So I know we're going to be continuing this one. <laughs> what are some of the strategies that, for rebuilding trust and confidence in oneself after experiencing infidelity or betrayal? Um, we tend to feel like crap. We tend to internalize and go, oh, no what is it about me i'm not good enough i should have done this i could really do a number on you so yeah yeah it and it takes two
0: the the communication the conversations with the partner who cheated and and i and this is this is past the what the f you know and like the accusations and all of this but this is after a cooling off period really sitting down with one's partner whether it's with the, with a the counselor or just on your own but really getting into how to reestablish trust you know trusting your partner trusting yourself you know sometimes sometimes there are it, there's so many different circumstances around infidelity um but really understanding you know, what, what was at the root of it? You know, there's a big difference between somebody who is, you know, a partner who is, I, I, nobody is ever perfect and perfection is boring anyway, but really doing everything right is there for their partner emotionally, physically, and their partner is just has this habit and they just, you know, um, sorry, men, I'm making you the culprit again, but just cheat at every opportunity. There's a huge difference between that and somebody who is really not giving their partner like maybe the
1: emotional support um, and say the partner cheats emotionally. Okay, Um, so like like micro cheating when you're messaging people online, for example, or yeah,
0: or or attention seeking. But there's so many different situations. But if it's if it's a major betrayal, it's so important. Number one, that personalization, right? Don't blame yourself. Like, do not go down that trap. Don't automatically blame yourself anyway, but really, again, sit down with your partner, figure out figuring out how to rebuild trust and and just, you know, again, knowledge is power.
1: yeah, and I, I guess that would be a difficult decision for one to make after infidelity. Do I stay? Do I go? I love this person. We have children together. I, I really want to make it work and but uh, i i can see how it would just be difficult and would be a long road what are some of the potential pitfalls to watch out for when attempting to reconcile after infidelity yeah and, well, um, look, and how can you, couples maybe navigate the challenges of it yeah
0: you really want to look at the motivation of the person who cheated okay um, and the and
1: their remorse
0: or lack of it There's a difference between somebody who cheated and they are genuinely sorry, they're remorseful, um, and they really want to move on and build and rebuild and strengthen the relationship between the two of you. Huge difference between that and somebody who is gaslighting you, um, you know, denying, 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 um, not taking accountability. Um, Those those are red flags for, okay is this going to you know, this person isn't getting it like, you know, um, those are real concerns in terms of moving forward, especially when when somebody keeps trying. And there's also a difference between somebody justifying their cheating and really working in the relationship to see, okay what was missing? Which is not the same as pointing a finger, but what was? Remember, it takes two. What what was missing, and how to move forward versus just hey, it's all your fault.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, and I think okay, forgiveness is possible, but I I think that rebuilding trust would be difficult. You know, would it be it's, fair? It's to so think? hard, Laura. Yeah, that's the hard part. It's like how do I begin to even trust you again? Even the thought of being intimate with you makes me sick, repulses me. I, I, right. I just it, like, how do I trust you again? Would it be fair, do you think, to ask someone for their passwords and for full trust? Yes, and I'll tell, and and I, I'll tell yeah. you. One. Okay. I think, so I think so too. I think so too. like, listen, you have nothing to hide. Then my phone should be, there should be full on access.
0: Another great question. And it comes up all the time in therapy yes yes and yes because remember the person who cheated violated a trust they're the ones they i i mean they it's look life is sometimes difficult but they have to show you that they are trustworthy and part of that showing you is going to say look i i'm a you know you can see anything you can see my you can go through my phone you can see you know me that that you know my work partner and i no longer communicate right you you can check my phone you can a partner who really cares about their own partner the cheating partner will will do that will will be very open Somebody who is not taking accountability would be be like, what's wrong with you? You don't need my passwords, right? Again, they're not understanding that they really have to rebuild the trust. And this is not, somebody isn't asking for your passwords in a vacuum. You cheated. Like, hello, you're reacting
1: to that. Yeah, I I think for sure. If if my partner didn't want to give up his passwords after cheating, uh, that would be a complete deal breaker for me. Although I think cheating would be a deal breaker for me. Um, Like, like having sex with someone, you know, going out on dates, having a relationship, I don't think I could ever really get over that. And uh, it's a betrayal. Well, it is a betrayal. And although I had, or have access to their passwords or to their phone, I don't want to live that life. Like, I don't want to be that girl. Let me look at your phone. Who are you talking to today? Let me check out your text messages. Let me go into your Instagram. Let me check out your TikTok. Who are you? Who are you liking? Who are you following? Who's following you? I don't have time for that.
0: It it (laughs) takes a lot. It takes a lot
1: of bandwidth.
0: But, you know, project into, okay, I'm in Beverly Hills, Hollywood. Sometimes I'm working with, you know, couples that have been together for decades, huge amount of wealth. There's a lot of complications in a divorced um, kids, custody, divorce lawyers, money. um, And, and, you know, sometimes it's just not that easy to walk away. Um, So yeah, circuit, the circumstances become very critical.
1: And we have one last question uh, before we end the show, and it's been a great show, by the way. Is it ever possible to get to a place of optimism after you've been burned badly in love?
0: Yes, and you want to aspire to that. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from a British, a British writer by the name of Samuel Jackson. And he. this was a quote from 1776, Marriage is the ultimate triumph of hope over experience, right? So, yeah, you want to get to the place of optimism because life can be great. And and being with the right partner can be so uplifting and fun um, and and wonderful. You don't want to keep a bad, you know, whether it's a breakup or a betrayal, you don't want to
1: keep that experience from holding you back. And keep the communication lines open, please. I think that that's where a lot of couples go wrong. You need to communicate about things. Yes. Just stuff so away in a little pocket and say, oh, we're going to get to that. No, talk about it. Okay. And guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Dating and Relationship Show tonight. We hope that our discussion on the psychology of heartbreak and recovery as well as rebuilding trust after infidelity has proved or has provided you with valuable insights and tools for navigating these challenging experiences. And um, thank you so much again, Dr. Nancy, for joining us. Where can people learn more about you and you can and where can they get your book? Oh, okay.
0: So we'll start with the book. again don't sleep with him yet a badass guide for dating in 10 empowering steps heart getting recovery from heartbreak is one of the steps by the way um best place right now would be amazon or asking your local bookstore to order it um my website is www.drnancylee.com and please follow me on instagram or i love you know even i love i love talking with readers by the way so if you buy you know if you um if you get the book and have questions for me, message me on Instagram. It's dr
1: n a n D-R-N-A-N-C-Y-L-E-E. So Dr. Nancy Lee, abbreviated. Thank you so much. And you can find me, official Laura Bellotta, on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, you can also send me direct messages there. And you can check out singleinthecity.ca if you are in Toronto or the surrounding area for upcoming events, singles events in your city. Thank you so much again for joining us and tuning in until next week. Ciao for now.